I like that they've included lymph nodes, lungs, and liver because, you know, oh, like, yeah, don't yeah. do it for your toned ass or your rock hard abs, baby. <laughs> exactly. Do it for your lymph nodes. Get yourself some sexy lymph nodes. <laughs> Like you, the podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Sarah. I'm a GP and I work in fertility and women's health. And I'm Gab. I'm an audio producer and journalist. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we're on today and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Now, we're all about finding ways to motivate ourselves to exercise because let's face it, we are exercise sloths and this doesn't come naturally (laughs) to us. Creating an exercise habit was something that Sarah and I really had to work at and maintaining that habit is a constant challenge. And, you know, full disclosure, we don't always manage to get in our daily 22 to 44, especially over the last few weeks. Don't break Uh, the illusion. (laughs) We still have periods of inactivity. We're still on and off with our exercise at times, but Overall, we're way more physically active than we ever used to be. And it's not something we push to the side anymore because we know how important it is to be sufficiently active. One of the things that we do to help keep our habit chugging along is to look at the research around being physically active and the many ways it helps us to stay healthy over the long term. As a doctor, this is something I'm extremely passionate about. I'd rather us work on preventative health rather than waiting until an illness or disease occurs and then hoping that there's some treatment options. Mm. Something that's very close to my heart and has really excited me recently is the way that exercise can be used not just during cancer treatment and rehabilitation, but also most importantly in reducing our risk of cancer too. Ooh, talk to me, talk to me. All right. So an article came across my desk a couple of weeks ago, which was pretty incredible. And so I wanted to share this with you and have a broader look at the role of exercise, both in cancer prevention, but also in the management of cancer. This was on the front page of the November issue of the journal Cancer Research, which is a very prestigious peer-reviewed international journal. And I'd like to think that getting on the cover of this is is huge. In science terms, it's like getting the front page of the September issue of Vogue. So I, 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 I is, love that. That's a big deal. <laughs> this is this is a this is a big deal. This is a big ticket item. Thank if you for also putting it in layman's terms for people like me as well. <laughs> well you're gonna love the September issue. <laughs> anyway, if you are looking for this paper. Look, the title's a little bit wordy. Uh, Its title is An Exercise-Induced Metabolic Shield in Distant Organs Blocks Cancer Progression and Metastatic Dissemination. Yeah, it's it's wordy, but look, there's some positives in the title. Yeah, so this is a blocking cancer progression I'm I'm, I'm here for. Absolutely, and I kind of like this idea of a metabolic shield. I'm kind of getting that sense of... Captain America. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, precisely. (laughs) All right, so this study came from Tel Aviv University, and it found that aerobic exercise can reduce the risk of metastatic cancer by, wait for it, 72%. Holy shit. We're talking big numbers and this is a really good quality study. So according to the researchers, aerobic exercise increases the glucose consumption of internal organs, thereby reducing the availability of energy to the tumour. So Professor Levy and Dr Gepner, the lead scientists in this study, said, if the general message to the public so far has been be active, be healthy – Now we can explain how aerobic activity can maximise the prevention of the most aggressive and metastatic types of cancer. Okay, I understand why they're on the front cover then. (laughs) Yes, exactly. This is this is really you know it's this is this is a game changer in terms of look perhaps in a in a way confirming 
in in some regards what we already know about the benefits of exercise but also we've now got you know we've got we've got data to hang our hats on yeah well i mean that's the thing we've got to have that data because that's that's how research gets funded and how programs around the world get funded and how you know federal governments around the world make sure that their health systems have what they exactly. need in order to help you know huge huge portions of the population so as much as it's sort of what you're about to explain kind of you know we've sort of been thinking these things for mm. for a long time we know the benefits of exercise you kind of need that hard data in order for change to happen on a wide scale precisely so i'll take you through the study uh this study combined animal models trained under a strict exercise regime with data from healthy human volunteers examined before and after running. So the human data, which was obtained from an epidemiological study that monitored 3,000 individuals for about 20 years, this was when it indicated that 72% less metastatic cancer occurred in participants who reported regular aerobic activity at high intensity compared to those who did not engage in physical exercise. The uh, the animal component of the study exhibited a similar outcome, and that was what enabled the researchers to identify the underlying mechanisms. They found that aerobic activity significantly reduced the development of metastatic tumours in the animal's lymph nodes, lungs, and liver. The researchers then hypothesised that in both humans and animals, this favourable outcome is related to the enhanced rate of glucose consumption induced by exercise. Ooh. And look, we're back where we we're back where we are in almost every episode. <laughs> the benefit of regular exercise to modulate glucose and insulin. Yeah, but you know, I like that they've included lymph nodes, lungs, and liver because you know, oh, like, yeah, don't yeah. do it for your toned ass or your rock hard abs, baby. <laughs> exactly. Do it for your lymph nodes. Get yourself some sexy lymph nodes. <laughs> so Professor Levy and Dr. Gepner went on to say, our results indicate that unlike fat-burning exercise, which is relatively moderate, it is high-intensity aerobic activity that helps in cancer prevention. If the optimal intensity range for burning fat is 65 to 70% of maximum heart rate, sugar burning requires 80 to 85%. But even if only for brief intervals, because I yes. think when I first read it, I was like, oh, oh no, <laughs> high intensity. Oh. Although, to be fair, some of those walks that you've been doing of late where you're like, you <laughs> know, going up, you know, a thousand set, the equivalent of a thousand steps of sets of stairs, I feel like that's getting your heart rate up pretty damn uh, high. In, in, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> so, okay, um, then, you know, taking that a step further, obviously looking at what would be required for that uh, – 80 to 85% in order to start burning that sugar. What sort of exercise are we talking about here? So they're looking at high intensity, high intensity training, and they've suggested including some high intensity workouts in your 150 to 300 minutes of physical activity per week. They've said maybe try alternating a minute of walking with a minute of runting, runting, <laughs> with a minute of running or sprinting, um, what I like to call runting. Runting, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm keeping that in. I'm not editing that out, by the way. <laughs> Do you even runt? <laughs> Do you even? Um, yeah, so alternating, alternating walking with running or sprinting, you know, minute on, minute off, and repeating this a few times, and then ultimately building that fitness up week by week. Okay. Um, as the researchers said, It must be emphasised that physical exercise with its unique metabolic and physiological effects exhibits a higher level of cancer prevention than any medication or medical intervention to date. What? That's huge. If you you fear cancer, 
Yeah, I do. Like many of us do. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone has been touched by this in some way. They either know absolutely. somebody, and um, you know, they've lost somebody that that they love, um, or they exactly. know somebody who's currently going through this. So yeah. And and, and whilst you know, we'll, we'll sort of get into this. By no means am I suggesting that you know regular exercise will prevent all oh, forms totally, of cancer. Yeah. Full stop. Um, you know, this is probably one of the best tools that we have in our arsenal to to give us a leg up in avoiding cancer. Yes, yes, absolutely. So how does exercise help those who are already fighting cancer? Yeah, this is really interesting. So there's there's a whole bunch of mechanisms to, to have a think about. Across most studies investigating the effect of exercise on cancer outcomes, the most common outcome is a reduction in the rate of tumour growth. So amazingly, this is this effect is evident across almost all cancer types. Um, what's really important to note here as well is that exercise is not capable of directly eradicating tumours, certainly not in the research that we have so far. And no studies have shown that exercise alone is able to eliminate or significantly reduce already established tumours, but it can definitely have an impact on reducing tumour growth in cancers that are already present. Yeah, as, and literally, as you just said, obviously, we're not saying that this would be the only treatment that oh, you God, would subscribe no. to. No, 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 no. You, you listen to your medical team. Listen you to your oncologist. <laughs> they know what they're talking about. This is just really exciting um, yeah. to, to see how, the, how this could be kind of integrated into a holistic approach to cancer treatment. That's it. That's it. So there are a few different mechanisms that have been kind of touted as, as possible explanations for this. So we know that during exercise, we see sympathetic nervous system activation increased blood flow, increased temperature, and these can, in theory, inhibit tumour metabolism. So following long-term training, these acute effects lead to adaptations which can contribute to slower tumour progression. And oftentimes, you know, if, again, if you've, ever, if you've ever been through a cancer journey with someone, sometimes the goal is to, is to slow shit down until you can come up with the next treatment plan. Yep. So slowing tumour progression is, is a great outcome. One of the uh, one of the issues that a lot of folks with cancer will face is significant loss of muscle mass. We call this cachexia, and it's a common and you know quite serious cancer related symptom, both from the cancer itself, but it can also be a side effect from cancer therapies like chemotherapy. And there's now evidence that an appropriately prescribed exercise program may help to prevent muscle loss and improve outcomes. So you know maintaining that muscle density is is really important. Mm. We know that depression, anxiety, and cognitive problems are common side effects of anti-cancer therapies. These adverse effects have a direct clinical importance because as patients who have depression tend to have lower compliance with their anti-cancer therapies, and, and there's now been numerous exercise intervention studies that have shown that exercise training, particularly endurance training, can help alleviate these symptoms in the cancer patient population where depression is this major problem. Wow. And there's also been some studies that have shown that exercise can improve the effects of certain cancer treatments. Now, historically, giving someone anti-cancer medicines like chemotherapy has been regarded as a reason to stop exercise training, given the major impact that these sorts of treatments have on cancer patients' well-being. However, this view might be changing with that accumulating data that shows that exercise training not only reduces treatment side effects, but in some cases may have the potential to enhance the potency and efficacy of traditional cancer therapies. That's huge. So 
basically, to, to summarise all of those bits, exercise for cancer patients can potentially slow cancer growth, improve outcomes through maintaining muscle mass, and reduce associated depression and anxiety and improve the effectiveness of some cancer treatments whilst reducing the side effects from those same treatments. Yeah, because, you know, as you're well aware, that those a lot of those treatments are really, really intense on the body. And oh, so yeah. I, I can totally understand why for a long time, you know, people have been told when they're going through these treatments to rest, take Just, it easy. That's but it. that often doesn't make them feel any better. It still feels no. like shit. And so if there is something that you can do um, to make you feel better, then... Hell yeah. Yeah. And I like you said before, I just think it will be interesting to see how how the this sort of data will be then integrated into into a more, you know, a more holistic approach to, to cancer treatment in the future. Yeah, and, and obviously we use that holistic term. Um, I know. In its, I know. <laughs> yeah, I take, know. It, take it away from the weird fucking well being approach. There's just you know, just literally take that word as, as what it means. Multidisciplinary. Yes. How about we how about we, we pop a that one in? Multidisciplinary approach to cancer treatment. I think it's also important to note what when we're when we're talking about um, people who might be currently undergoing cancer treatment, we are not suggesting that they should be doing the high intensity sugar burning oh, eighty no. to eighty-five percent no. exercise. No, no, that's that's that that was like the previous step of preventing um, that's right. cancer. Uh, you know, and we've got some. You know, so I've got a really great article to talk about. A little bit of um, some ladies who used exercise during their treatment. It was a, a much less intense approach yep. um, to exercise. A little bit more moderate. Yes, absolutely. But yeah. what about um, prevention of cancer in healthy individuals? Like, you know, like if you're relatively healthy and um, you, you're exercising all the time anyway, like why should you give a shit about any of this? Yes. So there's, uh, well, we'll look at some data on specific cancer types. So this data is all based on some really high quality meta-analyses over the last decade. And uh, and if you want to scroll down to the bottom of your show notes, <laughs> I apologize in advance. There's about 500 references associated <laughs> with this week's episode. She went but- to town. It's because last week's episode was... <laughs> Like you've got you've got like overdrive on this one to make sure that all oh, the it's, notes just, are there. it's also like it just it's it's so good. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. Um okay, so individuals who were most physically active compared to those who were least physically active saw a fifteen percent lower risk of developing bladder cancer, a twenty-one percent lower risk of developing esophageal cancer. 19% lower risk of colon cancer, 12% lower risk of renal cancer or kidney cancer. There was a 12 to 21% lower risk of breast cancer. Physical activity has been associated with similar risk reductions of breast cancer among both premenopausal and postmenopausal women, which I think is an important thing to note, mm. and that women who were able to increase their physical activity after menopause may also have a lower risk of breast cancer than women who do not. So if you are postmenopausal and you've never been physically active yet, it is not too late to start yes. to reduce your risk of developing breast cancer. Highly physically active women had a 20% lower risk of developing endometrial cancer, so that's uterine cancer, than women with low levels of physical activity. Now, there is some evidence that this association could be indirect, meaning that the physical activity, it, it seems that, how do I put this best? Uterine cancer and endometrial cancer has a really strong association with obesity. Okay. 
So women who were able to increase their physical activity and that this led to a reduction in obesity were the ones who were seeing this 20% lower risk of endometrial cancer. Right. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So look, exercise can also help reduce your risk of developing cancer through through a few other mechanisms. So we know that it can lower the levels of certain sex hormones such as estrogen and certain growth factors that have been associated with breast and colon cancer development and progression. We know that, and we know this very well, (laughs) that preventing high blood levels of insulin has been linked with reduced breast cancer and colon cancer. Yep. It reduces inflammation, and we know that inflammation is an independent risk factor for developing a whole host of different cancers. It can improve your immune system function. And just like when we're fighting off infections, we need our immune system to fight off cancer. And uh, and there's some other really kind of nifty ways that exercise can help, particularly when it comes to things like colon cancer. So regular exercise can alter the metabolism of bile acids, which decreases the exposure of the gastrointestinal tract to potential carcinogens and thereby reducing your risk of colon cancer. And it also, as we know, a bit of exercise helps get the gut moving. Yep. And so it reduces the time that it takes for food to travel through the digestive system, which decreases gastrointestinal tract to exposure to carcinogens, again, that have been linked to colon cancer. And uh, and ultimately, you know, helping to prevent obesity. I know that we are not the podcast for exercising purely to lose weight, but because we know that obesity is a risk factor for many cancers, including breast and endometrial cancer, Exercise as part of a, you know, an overall, uh, as part of an overall plan to to reduce excess weight that's unhealthy mm. can, in and of itself, reduce your cancer risk. So good, I love it. Yes, we are definitely the podcast for women who want to look at healthy, healthy weight maintenance, um, and it's nothing to do with. Uh, being aesthetically pleasing in any way, shape, or form. Shredding for summer—that's <laughs> it. Or you know, in this, ca- in this case, we are—we're keen for the for the lymph node shred. That's what we're exactly. That's what we're let's, up for. Let's shred cancer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah. So um, I mentioned before there was this amazing article that I read a few years back, and so when you pointed out this incredible study that's come out from the University of Tel Aviv, it immediately triggered this memory for me of reading this article a couple of years ago now. Uh, from the ABC, and it was about cancer patients using exercise as part of their treatment. So these are people who are currently undergoing cancer treatment. Um, There was a trial at Sydney's St. Vincent's Hospital, which used exercise as a way to cope with cancer treatment. Fantastic. And a couple of the people who were featured in the article, uh, they are a couple of legendary ladies from Bondi Icebergs, my winter swim club. They're a part of the program, and they're both undergoing treatment, or they were at the time, uh, undergoing treatment for cancer. Um, breast cancer and ovarian cancer. They took part in three sessions of resistance training a week, including swimming in that glorious, glorious pool. Mm. And one of the women also aimed to try and get to about 8,000 steps a day as well. Fantastic. They said that keeping up a regular exercise habit helped them physically and mentally deal with the toll of treatment And importantly, it helped them focus on something that they could control when everything else felt, you know, like it was completely out of their control. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm. Um, It was interesting to note that they were both quite active people 
prior to the diagnosis. Um, and so being able to kind of keep going with their swimming really helped them. It, it Again, mm. it was, you know, mentally one of those things that they enjoyed and so they didn't have to give it up. And also yeah. the fact that then it was actually helping them, you know, it was kind of like that, you know, two for the And often you have one. to, you just, you know, if you're going through chemotherapy, radiation therapy, immunotherapy for cancer, you often feel like you're giving up a hell of a lot. So if, you know, if it means that you don't have to give up something that really helps with your mental and physical health, then yeah. fantastic. And look, you know, it's a beautiful pool in a beautiful part of the world and, you know, sort of standing on the pool deck and staring out at Bondi Beach. Mm. And, and there's such a social component to, you know, to the to the icebergs. Absolutely. But, you know, just, just having that moment to kind of, you know, connect and also have that, what's that, that macrocellular vision as well as you're kind of looking out across the horizon yes. of the ocean. Oh my God, there's so many aspects to that particular part of the world. Um, The Clinical Oncology Society of Australia recommends 150 minutes of moderate intensity or 75 minutes of vigorous intensity exercise, such as walking, jogging, cycling or swimming each week as part of standard cancer care treatment. So that's what they want. That's what they recommend for patients undergoing cancer treatment. Sounds familiar. Doesn't it? (laughs) They Hmm. also recommend two to three resistance exercise sessions each week. I mean, really, like they're basically saying that what, you know, is the current kind of health advice for the entire world in terms of you know, your your levels of physical activity to be sufficiently active, they want this to be a part of standard cancer treatment. Um, the Bondi Iceberg ladies worked with orthopaedic surgeons Dr. Jonathan Herald and Dr. Dinesh Chowdhury for their book called The Exercise Prescription, and it looks at the research around, quote, exercise medicine. Now, if you're interested, I'll put a link to the book in the show notes. All the proceeds of this book go to the St. Vincent's Hospital Exercise Rehab Program. Um, interestingly, Brilliant. Yeah, it's just incredible. I mean, obviously, yeah, you know, exercise medicine, they're not saying that exercise is the only medicine, but again, it's, no. it's, it's a part of this multidisciplinary approach. <laughs> um, uh, the ABC article also references some work being undertaken by Dr. Sarah Walrus, who's a medical oncologist and cancer researcher. So Dr. Walrus is currently looking at how preventing loss of muscle mass impacts or positively impacts breast cancer patients. You mentioned before about that loss of muscle mass and the impact Mm. that it can have. So she's actually trying to look at why that happens and then how if we can prevent that, what the positive what the positives would be for those cancer um, patients. She had 18 women undertake a 20-week weight-based exercise program what like during their chemo treatment and her results found that most of the women were able to follow the program for starters they were able to maintain their strength and some were even able to become stronger which That's is incredible awesome so great <laughs> i mean like if you are getting absolutely flogged by this treatment and then there's something that is making you feel physically stronger oh that's just yeah you can't buy that yeah you cannot buy that I don't even have words for it um but yeah and, and because of this um Dr Walrus is advocating for cancer care to involve an exercise physiologist preferably a subsidized service as well because at the moment if you want to try and incorporate some of these exercise therapies as part of your treatment you have to pay out of pocket for that really yeah, yeah. Um, so and whilst there why- are there are avenues to uh, to get some Medicare rebated um, sessions with an allied health professional like an exercise physiologist. They're typically five sessions yes. per calendar year for somebody that do, does have a, a chronic disease um, or and, and by chronic, that's typically a disease that will affect your life in some way for more than six months. Yeah. Um, so 
it's after it's, those five sessions. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I mean, which so you know, look, there's, it doesn't, there's not nothing. No, but, you know. But let's yeah. just start screaming this from the screaming this from the rooftops that uh, that you know exercise is such a critical part of this moving forward, and we need our governments to pony up. Yep. Giddy up, Back that indeed. Truck up. <laughs> Honestly, like, th- thank you for sharing that story with me uh, when you saw it the other day. I just, I love that. I love that they would have just been nerding out so much on the fact that they were on the front cover. Of the, the oh, it's such a great front cover too because it's just basically it's a it's a really really like high def picture of something very microscopic and it just looks it looks like fairy lights. It's very cool. Um, <laughs> But it's yeah, it's it's really exciting. It's really exciting research, and uh, and hopefully it will it will change the way people think about their own cancer diagnoses, knowing that that they still that there there's still something that they can do to to hopefully give them a little leg up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think it's also just so important for for regular chums like you and I to remember that whilst you know, whilst nothing nothing is guaranteed in life, there are little things that we can do to hopefully prevent us from developing all sorts of cancers as we get older. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also just that, that idea of this, the one thing that you can control and, you know, particularly for women like you and me who are, you know, busy at various stages in our lives um, and also just not motivated to exercise you know it's not loving it <laughs> you know it's one of those things where it's hard to kind of um fit it in and make it happen and make it happen consistently um because we've kind of been conditioned to attach exercise mm. to weight loss and attach exercise to aesthetics and so you know it's you got to do a lot of work which we don't have any time or energy for but you no. got to do a lot of mental work to kind of you know, get rid of a lot of that shit, yeah. that that baggage that we've got. The, and if this the, is yeah. if this is a way to do it, then you know, fuck yeah, get your lymph nodes in lymph nodes in order. <laughs> and and for me, it's really it's it's also to I don't know, it's like the older I get as a as a forty five year old white middle aged woman, you know, I I feel generally fairly invisible in the world these days because, as we know, you know, the world is very much focused on on perfect 21 year old bodies yeah so especially the, the fitness the, world yeah yeah exactly so the upside to that is that I kind of don't care so much about the body transformation stuff as I used to yeah um because I'm invisible anyway um <laughs> but it means that you know if if I'm no longer motivated to exercise to look a certain way which should ultimately not be our prime motivation for this anyway yeah. um then then you know finding you know, finding types of motivation that that really that my forty five year old brain are attracted to, and yes. that is, you know, that is not going through cancer treatments that I've seen friends and family go through. You know, not uh, not developing chronic illness, not developing, you know, um, obesity related health conditions. You know. That's my motivation at 45. Mm. But your thigh gap, Sarah, your thigh gap, like that's what matters. 
Oh, the amount of the amount of like uh, thermals and layers and shit that I'm wearing, even in summer, it's still pretty cold here. Um, even if I had a thigh gap, it'd be obliterated with layers and layers of clothes. I saw this stupid article um, today, which was something about. Oh, look, it's probably true, and it's if you're really into like CrossFit or whatever, it's probably an exciting development. But they were. There was like just an image, and the headline was basically about doing exercise in like a weighted vest, which sort of looked oh, like yeah, yeah. like Kevlar or whatever. Yeah. And the, you know, there were like some kind of uni bomber. Yes, there were there were benefits to it. I had a look at it. There was some science behind it. You know, oh, it, yeah. it kind of improves your whole body kind of strength and whatever. And I was like, oh, and I was like, God, like what? Why do we overcomplicate this shit? Like, just keep it simple. Twenty two to forty four. If you can get some resistance training in there, amazing. If you can get some intervals in there to kind of, you know, get to that higher heart rate, amazing. But like, don't overthink it. Like, no. <laughs> it doesn't need to be, you know, like those big kind of rope rope drills or you oh, know, like push ups or pull up. <laughs> Oh, but it is. It's easy. It's it's easy to fall into that mindset. I caught myself doing it the other day when I when I had the flu, and and I was just laying in bed feeling terribly sick and sorry for myself as you do when you're running a fever and just feeling miserable. Yeah. And I was like, as soon as I'm through this flu, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna work out more often. I'm gonna I'm gonna do you know I'm gonna do everything. And maybe I should find out if there is a gym near me. No. And like it literally <laughs> crossed my mind. And then uh, and then I've I have made a uh, a full and happy recovery from my flu. And, and your delusion. Uh, and, and, and my that was a fever dream, I think. Um, <laughs> And then I went for a walk, a, yes. a hike in the Blue Mountains, which was a natural a, gym, baby. You've got a natural I, gym. You don't have to pay I, for that shit. As I climbed those hundreds yeah. upon hundreds of stairs and climbing through bush and the next day my gluteal muscles and my thighs <laughs> were killing me, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to save the 20 bucks a week on gym membership. <laughs> I think we might, just, we might just use Mother Nature's gym. Just go for a walk. But I love it. But it is. It's really. It's easy to fall into. It's easy to fall into that trap. Oh, 100%. even after 60, 64 episodes of of what we talk about every week about how you don't need the fancy gear, you don't need a special gym, you don't need a personal trainer to to obtain the health benefits of exercise. Mm. You know, it's still two, there. two or three days laid up in bed with a fever, and I was like, oh, I probably need to join a gym. <laughs> Get your summer shred on. I'm, I, I do the same thing. Like, you know, heading towards getting ever closer to the pregnancy due date, uh, I, I, I'm saying to myself all the time, you know, because I'm not feeling amazing, obviously, and it's a huge kind of, uh, what's the word I'm after? Not not a drain on my body, but you know what I mean? Like it's a oh, huge it's an undertaking. enormous change. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is physical transformation at its very most amazing. Yeah, well, it's just, it's just, it, and also. And also awful physical transformation with, you know, cankles and reflux and poor sleep and all of, all of, all of all those, those beautiful things. things of pregnancy. Totally, you know, so romantic. Um, but yeah, and I just, and just um, the, the physical kind of fatigue um, as, as you literally, you know, feel like you're kind of giving everything <laughs> to this little succubus. But like, <laughs> but, but even I'm, you know, and, and even, though, even though rationally I know what's happening and I know that I just have to take it easy and I know that I just have to you know put my mental energy into relaxing and just kind of surrendering to the process and just letting it happen and you know doing what I can when I can but not beating myself up if you know if that's not anywhere near what I used to be able to do you know like if it's a very slow walk that's you know a quarter of the time that I could have previously gone for a walk that's still 
you know, heaps because there's a lot of other, a lot of other stuff going on. But even even me going, okay, you know, as soon as this baby is out, you know, I'm gonna like obviously wait for it to be safe and everything, and depending wait on my six weeks, get yeah, the clearance, get clearance, you know. But then I am like, I am gonna be out every single morning with the pram, like power walking, you know, <laughs> like just like, and I have to stop myself and go, just shut the fuck up, like it yep. doesn't matter, like what <laughs> you need to bounce back. And- there is no time frame on this. This whole <laughs> bouncing back nonsense is just. <laughs> Driven to to make you feel insecure and sell your shit you don't need. Exactly. Boom. Sell your shit you don't need. Anyway, this is an awesome episode. Thank you so much. I just oh, thank you, Professor Levy and yeah. Dr. Gebner. Yeah, you know, and it's so you know what? It's so empowering to know that there's so many brilliant minds around the world, all targeted at working towards, you know, the future health of the world's population, trying everything, looking at everything, doing these studies that literally, as you said, this study went for 20 years, you know, doing this work to try and find ways that we can kind of avoid, you know, Mm. what is one of the the biggest challenges that we face, you know, in terms of health. Can you imagine their joy though? Like you get to the, you get to the 20, and and I know that this is not how science works, but you get to the end of your 20 years and you you press enter on your keyboard to see what the results (laughs) were. And you're like seventy-two percent. Oh, or like the all the other scientists that do twenty years of work, and it's like no, no, uh, no results. No that results. doesn't that doesn't help. But that's still part of it. That's still important. You're still needed to you know cross that off the list. As, negative okay. negative results don't get published though. That's yeah, really that's interesting. You, you don't get the you don't get Vogue September front cover. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, well that was really I. I was saying to my husband before we hit go on record that I really enjoyed preparing this episode because it's uh, yeah it's been really motivating for me as an individual so hopefully it's been motivating for you too yes the women like you podcast is produced by me Gab Burke and music is by Hamish Camilleri you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter at womenlikeyoupodcast.com. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gab. And I reckon we might have one more episode in us this year. What do you think? Woo-hoo! Yes. <laughs> episode 65, good way to oh, round nice. off. <laughs> we will smash that one out of the ballpark. Either that or we'll just talk nonsense for 22 to 30 minutes. And- I think it'll, yeah, it could potentially be another fluff and giggle. I don't I don't know. Um, you know, after this incredible work that you've done for this episode, I'm not sure that we could back it up. Uh, but yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do it. Let's make it our last because, um, last for the year, I should say, because yeah, then I'm, yes. I'm going to have to take a step back and <laughs> prepare myself for you know, what's to come. You know, squeeze out a little human. <laughs> squeeze out a little human. And then, you know, we'll be back on the pod at some point. Uh, you know, in 2023, in, uh, you know, February. I'm just going to say it now. It's probably going to be Feb because I'm going to, like, I'm due mid-Jan, but, like, you know, what does that even mean? And also I'm going to need to <laughs> I'm gonna need to spend some time just figuring out what the hell I'm doing. No, no. Or, you know, days, I'm, I'm trying to bounce back. <laughs> two days postpartum. I want, you, I want you doing burpees. I want you recording five podcasts a day. Yeah. Let's just take a step back and recognise that... Uh, you have you've done an incredible job continuing the the amount of work that you have throughout what has been at times a challenging pregnancy i think it's safe to say not 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 medically challenging but uh, but you know just the i guess the just the challenges of pregnancy Mm. um and, uh, and you know, we have been here every week. I think I've missed more episodes this year than you have. <laughs> um, Please just yeah. don't, get, don't get sick again. You've, you've, done, you've done your sickness oh, for 
that's what that was the thing. That's where I got into the oh, I'll join a gym. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, we'll yeah, we'll do a bit of a uh, women like you retrospective. Yes, next week. week. Yeah, sounds Beautiful. good. All right, All right, I love you. I love you too. Talk to you soon. Indeed. Bye. Ich nehme nur